When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The AM, The Zone. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And welcome to the first day of fall. How are you, everybody? Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke. So glad to be along with you on this Wednesday. Yeah, it's the 22nd day of September, officially the first day of fall. Temperatures have kind of felt that way this week, though, haven't they? For today, we're looking for partly cloudy skies. Daytime highs today around 64. Overnight lows will drift to around 43. The good news is we'll stay dry. For tomorrow, partly cloudy and 65. Friday, we've got partly sunny skies. 69 are expected high, but we do expect that showers could start moving back in the area by Friday afternoon. More weather details like that coming up with Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist. And it's a crop that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about a lot, Wisconsin's hemp crop this year. Boy, the number of acres that were grown this year down by about 50% compared to last year. What's going on with the crop? We've got your update this morning. Whether it's a lot or a little, we need your rainfall reports. The Rural Mutual Rainfall Report is on. Text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from because every month we'll pick a winner for a digital weather station courtesy Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Text those rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. In just a few days, it's the big one. Back again, Bob Bosel at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, of course, we're talking about World Dairy Expo in Madison officially uh, starting on Tuesday, but actually getting started this weekend. Pam, I know there are going to be a lot of people awfully excited to be back on the colored shavings. Well, yeah, and I'm excited to have the reunion of sorts for the World Dairy Industry. World Dairy Expo, as you said, Bob, starts officially next Tuesday, September 28th, concludes on Saturday, October 2nd, with the naming of the Supreme Champion. I talked about the show with Katie Schmidt. She's the communications coordinator for World Dairy Expo. And as you can imagine, this being an international show, there's been a lot of conversations ongoing with county and state officials on how they can safely hold the event. Katie gave me some of the details that we should expect. It literally changes every day. Yeah, we are working with public health officials, county officials at the facility to make sure we are doing our part to host a safe event for not only our attendees and exhibitors, but also for the greater Madison community. We are a part of this community. We want to support them economically and bringing our event back, but also realizing we are bringing our event back. Um, So we do have COVID-19 policies that align with the current orders from public health Uh, on our website for people who are coming to our show that they can figure out what they need to be packing, what they need to be prepared for. Um, But it's still going to be that great gathering place of the dairy industry that we're used to seeing each year. Right. And remember, folks, like we said, it is Dane County. So the mask mandate had been extended until beyond World Dairy Expo, which was a recent announcement. And 
again, that is a unique situation because World Dairy Expo has got indoor, outdoor, and a combination of facilities that we'll be using. We do, yes. The emergency face covering orders is for enclosed public spaces. That's a really key part in understanding what to expect when you get on grounds. So our cattle housing facilities in the New Holland Pavilions and the cattle tent are not enclosed. Those are wide open spaces. The fans are blowing. It's state-of-the-art air facilities in there. So those are not going to be mask mandated. Obviously, people are welcome to wear a mask if that makes them more comfortable in attending. Uh, We want people to be comfortable being there. But just be aware that when you are in an enclosed space, so thinking like the exhibition hall, the trade center, the Coliseum, um, potentially the arena building if you're at the tan bark, those we will be asking that you do wear a mask in those spaces. You know, it's it's been such a on again, off again situation with uh, numbers and so forth. So give them the latest numbers that you've got, Katie, both as far as international attendees and what we know, and that can change day of. So again, remember, folks, this is all in flux, but attendees, as far as those that are coming to see the show, your exhibitors and the ones that draw us all, the cattle numbers. How is it looking? Yes, well, our international numbers are always very much in flux until the show. So we never know who's coming, who to plan for, who to expect. We have services available for those international guests when they get here, but we just don't ever really know for them. Uh, We are expecting that that number will be a lot smaller than what we're used to due to federally mandated border restrictions. Um, World Dirt Expo has not put anything in place that said, hey, we're not welcoming you this year, but... The governments have. So we're working through that. So are they. We've got virtual live streaming available for those friends who can't come. Our trade show number is, it's going to be a a different footprint for our trade show. So the trade center is expanded. It's relocated. It's going to be a great space for our trade show exhibitors. The Coliseum layout looks a little bit different. And there's going to be just a few less exhibitors, but still great products, great services, great companies. And still having a global presence, even if most of them are based here in the U.S. And then, of course, the cow show numbers. We are right on track for 2019 and for the 2021 show. So it is shaping up to be yet another great dairy cattle show on the colored shavings. You know, I've got to believe, although you've obviously been minding the details on how to manage an international show with the pandemic extending, but you know the dairy community and how valuable just getting together and seeing each other and of course always around the cows i've got to believe that when everybody got the confirmation that world dairy expo is going forward 2021 that the gratitude was probably pretty palpable yeah we've been on a roller coaster ride this year and really over the last 18 months like so many other large events And when we, this summer, when we were just finally able to say, yes, we are happening, we are moving forward, we are confident that it will be back, there was this just sigh of relief, and then excitement just kept building and building and building as people realized that it meant we could gather again. Because the dairy industry, like you said, Pam, we are such a face-to-face group. We love to talk to people. We love to just be in the same space as each other. And World Dairy Expo is that one place every year where people can do that. And when we canceled last year, we missed out on that. So there is so much excitement and and anticipation for the show 
coming up on September 28th through October 2nd. Now, you know, one thing I also want to remind people about, a little history from the old broad. World Dairy Expo had tools in place before anybody heard of this pandemic to allow for virtual engagement around the world, uh, the cow show being live streamed. I mean, there was another biosecurity issue, what, over 10 years ago now, that brought virtual farm tours into play. So this kind of a pivot is not foreign ground to World Dairy Expo. As hard as it is to believe, I guess that's a good way of looking at it. Yes, we we did pivot in about 2001 with a foot and mouth outbreak in Europe uh, for biosecurity measures. We said, hey, folks, if you're coming to Expo, don't go visit local farms. We want to protect those herds. So we also then said, let's make virtual farm tours happen at our show. And we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year of doing those virtual farm tours. And it's another great lineup, as it always is. But yes, our virtual components are not new to us. It's something we've been doing for years. And sometimes we forget how special it is that we really do have a hybrid show before we even knew what hybrid meant in the event space. So our dairy cattle show is live streamed on three channels all day long, as long as there's action in the show ring. And then our education components are also live streamed on a fourth channel. So people from across the world or just down the street who don't can't come or don't want to come this year, can still enjoy everything that World Dairy Expo has to offer. And just because life was not complicated enough trying to mind our way through this, uh, World Dairy Expo is offering some new elements. Now, you mentioned about the Trade Center. Uh, You'll want to explain a little bit more about that. And then musical entertainment. Suddenly, the cows aren't just good enough. We want to kick up our heels, too. I love talking about the new things that are coming to Expo, and it's so fitting that we brought music in this year because our theme is instrumental to the industry. It it is actually music-themed, and we said, hey, what a great time to host a concert. So on Friday night, we're going to have a free concert called the Sunset Celebration featuring Dylan Carmichael and Megan Patrick. They're both Nashville recording artists. And those tickets are available online. You do have to reserve your tickets, even though they're free, uh, because we do have limited space in the tan bark. And then the tan bark is one of those other really exciting pieces. It's the arena building is converting to a bar and grill all week long. There will be educational speakers in the morning in that space. And then each night from four to six, there's happy hours with more live music, with free beer, with some light refreshments, and just a great space to engage with your friends and family or new acquaintances you meet at the show. Uh, So those are a couple of those great new features that we're excited about is the Tan Bark, the Sunset Celebration Concert, and then that Trade Center we talked about earlier where the World Forage Analysis Super Bowl will now be located along with some trade show exhibitors. Now, the other elements that are probably critical to maybe more of a local audience, uh, the little kids coming out, school tours, and some that always used to be a lot of volunteers needed for that, and I'm wondering what uh, what that may look like this year. Sure, so for our local friends who do know about those Expo school tours, uh, due to COVID, we did cancel that portion of our show. Uh, we saw that as a group that's really at risk of COVID-19 and uh, wanted to... Just kind of say, hey, let's pause. We're working with Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and Allison Dairyland to still provide some great educational materials for those fourth grade students. But unfortunately, they will not be on grounds this year. Uh, but really, that's the only event that, that we've canceled within World Dairy Expo this year. So let's talk about the volunteers. World Dairy Expo, like many agriculture-related events, heavily dependent on volunteers. 
some of those volunteers are a little long in the tooth, shall we say. They are veterans. They've been doing this for a while. How did you do, Katie, on bringing back those volunteers? Yes, our volunteer group is, we'll say they're seasoned. There we go. Uh, they're, they're well marinated. Uh, but there's also some great young volunteers in that group. Uh, there are about 400 volunteers typically at World Dairy Expo. They're helping with everything from selling items in the Purple Cow gift shop to helping with the judging contests on Monday. They're working in the show ring all week long. They're in the commercial exhibit spaces So we're fortunate that a lot of them are coming back. There are still some needs for volunteers, though. So if listeners out there are interested in being a part of Expo in a new way, feel free to reach out to us and we will hopefully find you a spot to come help us in two weeks. Katie Schmitz in studio with us. She is the communications coordinator with World Dairy Expo. Yes, indeed. It is on, folks, back at the Lion Energy Center with some new elements that we've been talking about. And again, I want to preface this. This conversation as of today is accurate, but you know things can change uh, in a heartbeat. So how are you encouraging people to stay engaged in the conversation, Katie? Where can they turn for the latest updates that may influence their trip that very day? Yeah, day by day is definitely the world we're living in. And the best resources out there are worlddairyexpo.com. Anything that's related to this year's event, we are putting up there. And, of course, our social media channels, if you just are looking for an easy way. That is one of our like most go-to spaces to share news about our event. Uh, we have been extremely transparent with our communication through this past 18 months, and we strive to continue to do that. We understand that our, our attendees and our exhibitors all feel so passionate about our event, and we love that, but it also means that they have high expectations for, for us. So we are very transparent in what we are doing. So we are always welcome to questions, phone calls, emails, social media, the website, and we do have a great new mobile event app as well that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search World Dairy Expo, and that'll be your best tool for on-site at Expo for Planning your stops to the trade show, your schedule, and, of course, the flavors of the day for grilled cheese and ice cream. Well, see, some of those staples, they just had to return, and we're so glad to be looking forward to it. Again, Katie Schmidt in studio with us. She's in charge of communications for the always beloved World Dairy Expo back again in 2021. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. You're my my parent, parent. and I'll I'll always need you. No matter their age, your children never stop counting on you. Visit parenting.org or call the Boys Town National Hotline at 800-448-3000 for free parenting advice. Odds are you're hiring to free up time, not lose more. With Indeed, you get the platform that delivers four times more hires than all other sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Post a job and say you're hired. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. What have we here? Crackers. At least I think they are. They're in a cellophane wrapper. There are two of them. 
crackers always travel in pairs. They snap like crackers. Crumble like them, too. Nine out of ten cracker eaters would give them a positive ID. But these aren't crackers. They're dinner. Jim Krevix for five days straight. There are people like Jim all across Madison. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply people like Jim over $950,000 in food through Dane County's busiest food pantry. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in clothing, shelter, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It is the first day of fall and a Wednesday. Time for your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stu Mock, our ag meteorologist, joining us this morning. And uh, it does have that fall feel out there this morning. Yeah, it really does. Those temperatures have cooled off a little bit. I did see that up around Tomahawk, they had about a 38 this morning, so... Little reminder that that kind of weather is eventually going to get here. Not too uncomfortable, and nothing we worry about frost or freezing around here. High pressure is strengthening out to our southwest, Kansas, Nebraska today. It's going to make for a very sunny, fine Wednesday. A nice way to start the fall season. No precipitation we have to worry about. The cool front that brought the rain through here early this week, way over to the east. Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, down to the south. That's where rain is. Even in uh, eastern parts of Illinois, Indiana, and even lower Michigan having showers today. It's not going to head into Wisconsin. Oh, I should say, with the exception of the very far southeast part of the state that could see a sprinkle. Otherwise, I expect sunshine, just cooler, comfortable weather to the end of the week with a bit of a rain chance Friday. Let's check those forecast details right after this. The Wisconsin Soybean Association works hard to share the voices of Wisconsin soybean growers at the state and national level. And you can become a member at badgerbean.com. Besides a voice in Washington, WSA members receive free seed, discounted event tickets and products, not to mention news on the latest in soybean research and technology. And being a member of the Wisconsin Soybean Association also makes you a member of the American Soybean Association. So join today at BadgerBean.com and help the Wisconsin Soybean Association go to work for you. Rural Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, let's have those first day of fall details. Well, a little cooler than normal. You know, we should be in the low 70s, and I expect mid-60s with a lot of sunshine and a north breeze about 5 to 15 could make it actually seem a little chilly. Now, let's head on into the nighttime. We stay clear, drop down into the low and mid-40s with the north winds at 5 to 10. Mostly sunny on Thursday, another fine day, a lot of mid-60s, north winds 5 to 15. Friday, mostly sunny. But an afternoon shower, sprinkle little hit-or-miss type rain may pop up, could linger into Friday evening. 
Loire likely in the low and mid-70s on Friday with that rain chance. And a southwest wind 5 to 15, gusting to 25. And by early next week, Pam, then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mid and upper 70s return. So it still sounds very pleasant. All right. So long as we're not going to have any of that killing frost or anything like that in the forecast, which, you know, Uh, again, next week's World Dairy Expo. So sometimes we do have that kind of forecast. Well, yeah, I rode a motorcycle there in the snow one year, if my memory serves correctly, <laughs> but, you know. I do, I do. I remember that year as well. All right, we won't we won't think about that. Good enough, my friend. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. All right, see you then. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compure.com. And of course, we're hoping our friends from Compure are going to be joining us next week for World Dairy Expo. Of course, the show officially begins next Tuesday, runs through next Saturday. Meanwhile, this week, World Beef Expo at State Fair Park. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Landscape Envy? That's what you create when you add Kalani Wash decorative stone to your landscape. Choose from our selection of multicolored stones for around trees, shrubs, and under decks. Plus, we offer gravel stone for walkways, driveways, and a base for patio bricks and retaining walls. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com or you can simply pick it up at our awesome processing plant. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. And good looking decorative stone. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Attorney John Rihala with Clifford and Rihala. When you ride a motorcycle, you can face serious risks from cars around you. It's a fact. Some car drivers don't watch for motorcycles, and they don't see you. Even if they do, some cars don't give bikes the space they need to drive safely. A collision between a motorcycle and a car can be devastating. If this happens to you, we can help. At Clifford and Rihala, we know that motorcycle riders can suffer life-changing injuries in a crash, and we can help you recover the compensation you deserve. If you or someone you care for has been in a motorcycle crash, Call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation. We'll fight to help you receive your maximum recovery. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. 
for justice. MyJustice.com. Jewelry is always the perfect gift for that special someone. You want to go to Goodman's Jewelers, where they have the experience and patience to work with you to find that perfect diamond. Pendant necklace, diamond earrings, engagement ring. It'll be a one of a kind and all yours at Goodman's Jewelers, a couple blocks from the Capitol on State Street. On August 25th, 2021, the Madison Police Department was contacted by a Wisconsin resident living outside of Dane County. The reporting party told MPD that they received a call from a 608 area code. The caller identified himself as a fundraiser working on behalf of MPD collecting money for injured officers. When reporting the incident, the reporting party said they did not provide any money to the caller and that the caller hung up when the reporting party told them they were uncomfortable with the call. MPD is not involved in any telephone-based fundraising efforts and will not attempt to collect funds over the phone for any reason. MPD would like to remind residents to be extremely cautious if providing funds to anyone over the phone. Never provide funds in the form of gift cards and contact your local police department if you're suspicious of a call you have received. If you have any information regarding similar calls, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can receive up to $1,000 in cash rewards for tips that lead to an arrest. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat and back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, We'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Joining us right now, our NFL insider, Mike Clemens. Good morning, Mike. Long night for you last night for Monday Night Football, eh? Yeah, usually is. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, and the, the rain made things interesting as well. But um, I thought it was a great game, interesting game. I think the Detroit Lions um, could be a pretty good team. I think they've been, you know, dysfunctional in a number of ways over the years. Uh, and part of that, I think, had to do with interruptions from the family, you know, on draft day and things like that. It's possible that this version might be better. And as silly as the things that Dan Campbell said from the podium when he first got hired that, you know, some of those quotes that went around the world. Um, following them last week, I was pretty impressed, actually. I think he's a pretty straightforward guy and um, and seems to run a good practice. And, I, you know, they're going to be a team to deal with. I really I really think that. So, Mike. And, I've, and I haven't said that in a long time yeah. over there. Mike, I know you're in the, uh, you know, they're covering the game, so you didn't see or hear the television broadcast like I did, but there's another Dan Campbell quote that they have over the broadcast, and it was from his mom, and he repeated what his mom said, and he, she said that he was either going to end up in prison or do something special with how crazy he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and well, he's not in prison. Then, then maybe that means after football he's going to run for governor of Michigan. So there yeah, you there go. you go. I mean, politics, and they're also be in prison, so sure. All right. So, to me... Uh, you know, there they are. Uh, Lions are leading at halftime, and 
people going crazy. Now, hey, listen, I couldn't follow what listeners were saying on Twitter because the Wi-Fi was down in the press box last night. <laughs> Did you pick up on that? I mean, I think I actually sent a signal out when I finally got a, a cell signal that worked. Um, and that's happened before sometimes, like, you know, the first game of the season. What's the going on, Mike? Our phone lines are down your Wi-Fi is out at Lambeau. What the hell? I don't know. I don't know. Now, this has happened before, though, It's because it's the first weekend. Also, another thing is the lines were long. I kind of anticipated that. I was at the stadium all weekend, and there's this long tunnel that we walk up to go to the offices that some of us have for media. And inside that tunnel, they they store huge overhead cranes, cherry pickers, and they also have all the security stuff in there now, the metal detectors, <laughs> and then they also have all the these new machines with turnstiles and what looks like an iPad on an arm, and that's now how they're reading the cell phones for tickets because they went, huh. you know, they're going no tickets now. Everything is on the cell phone. Yeah. And there was about eight or nine of them that these guys were working on all night, all weekend long that had failed during the preseason. And... Some of them never got, you know, put out there, which means, you know, you had even more. I mean, there was some long, there was like a three-block line that I walked past of people waiting to get into the game, and that was an hour before the kick. So, you know. Did you run into Lil Wayne by chance? I saw Lil Wayne, you know. No, was he there last night? He was. He came in like the the garage, like the bottom garage, you know, underneath underground parking side. So I don't know if you saw him. Who I did run into is T.J. Lang. Oh, former nice. Packers right guard, who then became a left guard for the Lions. And like a lot of other Packers, you know, he got to be 28, 29 years old, had a bit of a, a health history, and um, they loved him, but you know, we're not going to resign yet. So he got a big payment out of the Detroit Lions for a three-year deal, and I think only played about a year and a half before some of the injuries brought him down. TJ's now the sideline reporter for Lions Radio. Cool. And he was one of the best guys that we had in the locker room as a storyteller and breaking down football. So he's going to do great at that. But he was telling me some Matt Patricia stories at the Stadium View Bar on Saturday night. That's where I ran into him. Um, and then I saw him last night in the press box, and he was all wet from being on the sidelines when the rain came. And I said, well, <laughs> the good news is you won't need a shower now. You know? <laughs> there you go, Mike. <laughs> but he's a, he was a great guy. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of good insight from him as to some of the changes he sees it's going on to the Lions organization that weren't there when he arrived there three, four years ago. Sure. Hey, Mike, when it comes to the game itself, you know, there's this turning moment for me. I played it earlier is when Rodgers, you know, hit Devontae Adams with this rainbow, what, 50, 55-yard pass, whatever it was. That, to me, felt like vintage Aaron Rodgers. The thing about it, too, Ebo, is this. Um, you know, they, the Lions defense came out much like the Saints with that kind of cover, too, the two-high shell they talk about. I mean, basically, Rodgers comes to the line, and he can see some territory deep down over the middle, but there's bunch formations of secondary on, on Devontae. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, and we are keeping you up to date on how the harvest is coming along for our Wisconsin hemp producers. You know, a couple years back, 
there was all kinds of interest in getting into the hemp industry in the state. Literally thousands of growers that were looking for permits all across the state. Boy, that interest has taken a nosedive. We're talking about it with our friend Brian Kuhn, Division Administrator with the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. That's up before we wrap it up this first day of fall. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a September 22nd morning. You know, not a lot of big items that I could see on this date in history. One caught my attention. On this day in 1975, another assassination attempt on U.S. President Gerald Ford. Now, I remember Squeaky Frome trying to assassinate Ford, but I forgot about this one. FBI informant Sarah Jane Moore attempted to assassinate the president in San Francisco. Uh, Her attempt failed primarily because of a faulty gun and also efforts of ex-FBI agent Oliver Sippel that actually tackled her. But again, another assassination attempt on this day back in 1975 on then-president Gerald Ford. On this day in 1955, commercial television actually begins in the United Kingdom. They launched uh, ITV, and soon they were airing their first commercial. It was for toothpaste. So the U.K. got commercial television on this day back in 1955. And now you know. Wisconsin Senator Howard Markline wants dairy farmers to keep sharing the story about what's happening with the Dairy Innovation Hub here in the state of Wisconsin. Right now, the Dairy Innovation Hub is being coordinated through UW-Madison, UW-Platteville, and UW-River Falls. $8.8 million was dedicated to this focus on the dairy industry. And Markline says one of the reasons why it was successful is, first of all, dairy farmers straight out, point blank, asked for it. And the other is that it's not about producing more milk. It's about producing more products that could use milk. Absolutely. You know, I think that's what um, attracted me to this whole concept is that, you know, we're great at production. We are, in all aspects of agriculture, we produce, you know, we're very, very efficient, very effective at it. And so this is not about production. It's about, um, and this term has been used many times, it's kind of uh, about finding the, the ethanol in milk. And what's that use of milk that we haven't uh, thought about? And, and even different ways of uh, how, we, how we farm, for example. Um, you know, when you step back, and this is one of the things that uh, I talked to Dr. Montgomery about, when you think about it, we, uh, a typical dairy farm, and I grew up on a dairy farm, and, you know, milk truck uh, loads up and travels X number of miles to a plant. The plant, what the plant wants is not the processing plant, doesn't want um, the water, <laughs> That's a, that's a byproduct. They got to get rid of it. Uh, they want the solids. So is there a way to remove the water at the farm effectively and, and, uh, and minimize the, uh, the transportation costs, you know, from farm to, to dairy plant? Uh, I thought that was an interesting um, uh, thing that they're, they're looking at. Um, another thing they're, they're looking at is just the whole um, uh, components of milk and how can we uh, affect the, what's in the milk by what we feed our cows. And at UW-Platteville, they're, they're doing uh, research on, on that. So um, a lot of exciting things. And uh, another thing that really piqued my interest was 
I, I think some of this research may provide some opportunities for us to keep our small family farms, those, those niche markets, you know, for the milk, those niche products. And, um, and for our rural uh, communities, that's incredibly important. Wisconsin Senator Howard Markline, who was chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee at the time that the funding was approved for the Dairy Innovation Hub. Again, $8.8 million dedicated to the campuses on UW-Madison, UW-Platteville, UW-River Falls to reprioritize and refocus on dairy innovations in the state. And to Markline's point, some of the things that we're looking at would be possibly using milk protein as a way to do 3D printing. So like he said, a lot of different innovations that are being investigated, but he wants dairy farmers to share that news with their elected officials, with other dairy farmers, with community leaders, because as he points out, he can't do it alone to keep that funding committed. So Dairy Innovation Hub is actually going to have a booth at World Dairy Expo where you can learn more, or you can also jump online now. Go to dairyinnovationhub.wisc.edu. So dairy markets yesterday in Chicago, let's pivot and take a look at them. They were actually a little mixed. Barrel cheese was unchanged yesterday at $1.60. 40-pound block cheese was up 2 and a half at one seventy-five, but double-A butter dropped Two and a quarter cents on Tuesday to a dollar seventy-five a pound. In overnight trade this morning, October milk is up seven at seventeen forty-nine, while November milk is up a nickel at seventeen twenty. December corn this morning is up two cents at five nineteen. November soybeans are now down a penny and a quarter at twelve seventy-two and three quarters. The December wheat up four and a half at six ninety-four and three quarters, while July new crop wheat right now up four at six ninety-four and a half. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. Summer savings are yours at Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. Replace your water heater and softener in the same visit and get a $100 discount. We've got you covered 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for all your commercial and residential plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection. A name you can trust when service is a must. Educated mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the mortgage man. You're well aware of these gigantic mortgage companies that make it seem as though they can do everything for you rather quickly, when in fact, you end up in a call center where everything is cumbersome and expensive. Learn about our local process at educatedmortgage.com. Educated Mortgage, this word is way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222652. You rarely think about it, and it often goes unnoticed until your basement or building floods. A reliable sump pump can be a lifesaver, preventing flooding by detecting water levels and pumping the water back outside, away from your home or business. If your sump pump isn't functioning, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. They can replace your existing sump pump, floats, and check valves. They'll even upgrade your current system to include a battery backup system. 
the battery makes sure your system continues to work in the event of a power outage. Away from home? Receive pump activation alerts on your smart device. Enjoy peace of mind and improve the value of your property with an upgraded sump pump from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Just like many other crops in Wisconsin, our Wisconsin hemp producers have been going through their harvest. How does the crop look? And maybe more importantly, what is uh, the target on for 2022 as far as our Wisconsin hemp program? The guy that administers it all at the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection is Brian Kuhn, who joins us now. So let's go right to the field, Brian, and talk a little bit. The hemp that's grown in Wisconsin is basically still inspected and monitored by some of the field folks that you've got through the Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection. What have you been hearing or seeing about this year's Wisconsin hemp crop? Yeah, well, thanks, Pam. Um, yeah, this year uh, our, our inspectors are reporting, you know, a healthy crop, a good-looking crop in the field, um, generally growers that uh, were able to successfully uh, to, to successfully grow a, a, a healthy stand of hemp this year. Overall, uh, seeing that growers that did plant, um, and, and most of our growers this year were returnees, unlike previous years where we had a very big transition of growers coming in and out of the program, we were seeing a 50% turnover year after year. Um, this year, you know, the vast majority of the growers are, are second or third uh, or even fourth-year growers. So they've got experience under their belt, and um, and, and uh, by and large, from what we're seeing, had a successful uh, growing season, uh, seeing some drought issues here and there uh, where the crop got hit with drought at the wrong time, uh, but those are pretty scattered and uh, relatively limited, I'd say, across the uh, the overall crop. Did any of your inspectors or any of the growers mention where they believe their crop is going to be used? That's been one of the trends we've had to keep an eye on, Brian, here in Wisconsin. Is uh, We know that farmers have the ability to grow this crop, but trying to find a home for that crop has been challenging, to say the least. Where is this year's crop apparently going? Yeah, I, I'd say similar to the past years where, where folks are still targeting that CBD um, market. Uh, you know, the the way things have evolved is that the, the growers that are probably still, that are out there still producing hemp and deciding to plant again this year um, have lived that market experience. And, and, and as we've discussed in the past, Pam, the, uh, we, had, we did see a 50% reduction in grower participation in the program this year. And I believe it's, you know, it is directly related to market um, availability and, and being able to connect to those markets. So generally what we see and hear is um, those that are being successful are ones that have really worked hard to cultivate, identify, um, create that market themselves. Uh, so there's a lot of investment in the, uh, on the grower side to, um, you know, to tapping into and, and finding a market because uh, each grower pretty much has to do that. There are not uh, generally just available markets for, for people to just plug into. 
Uh, there has to be there's a fair bit of work on the grower side to connect to those specific markets that they're going to sell their crop into. Absolutely. Brian Coons along with us from the Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection overseas Wisconsin's hemp crop, which is going to be going through some transitions as we head into the growing season of 2022. You know, and that's something that may have been an influence on growers this year to a certain extent, uh, Brian, because Wisconsin was required to basically charge a fee uh, to go through the process of licensing any Wisconsin hemp growers. Now, in 2022, we're going to transition uh, into USDA authority or oversight. Tell people, explain for people, this has been in the works for a while, so it shouldn't surprise any growers, but explain for the average consumer why this is happening. Yeah, we're we're uh, transitioning the program over to to USDA, and want to be clear to our our growers this year. Uh, DAC caps out there today, collecting those samples in the field. Will be the ones issuing the fit for commerce certificates through the end of this harvest season, and that transition to USDA will officially take place on January first of twenty two, where uh, folks that will be licensed that that potentially have hemp in the ground over that time of year. Uh, their DATCAP license will uh, terminate on, on December 31st, and their USDA license will activate on 1-1 uh, to allow those growers that need it to be continuously licensed through that, that period of time and through that transition. Um, but, yeah, the, in the end, um, this was that opportunity, uh, and, and, I, and I think what people have seen is most recently uh, Wisconsin and the state of North Carolina are two states that are both transitioning their hemp programs over uh, to USDA to operate. Um, based on the 2018 uh, Farm Bill, we were basically, that cap was getting ready and needing to um, kind of finalize our, our another rule change to the hemp program to align completely with that 2018 Farm Bill requirements. There is really little latitude or little regulatory benefit to the state running the program. It's the same program that the feds will run. Uh, I think the the benefit and the good thing to our growers is that that cap um, Wisconsin has run a very um, kind of strict to the federal requirement program. So this transition over to USDA uh, should should show little impact to our licensees, to our hemp growers. They All of the same requirements are going to be there that they've been working with DATCAP on um, over the years uh, as this hemp program has transitioned. The benefit, uh, one of the biggest benefits to our growers is, again, it's a no fee, um, for no participation fee program. So uh, we've been charging fees annually for licensing, registration, um, and the sampling that we do, and USDA does not have um, licensing or registration fees, participation fees. So right there, just comparing our program to theirs, there's about a $500 uh, per licensee um, savings uh, right on, on that, the face of that. And the reality is with the kind of the substantial direct uh, drop in grower participation in the program, um, that we experienced this past year, again, probably market-driven, um, it, it had a substantial impact on our program revenue to operate the program. And um, so we were looking at the potential to have to significantly raise fees at the state level uh, beyond what we had already been charging. And when you can look oh, next door and say, well, USDA is offering the exact same program, regulatory program with no fees, Again, that's that analysis 
um, quick analysis that really told us that that's probably the the best alternative for our growers uh, in Wisconsin is to transition them to that to that program. And that transition's begun. Um, with a webinar we, we held with USDA this past week, um, growers had the opportunity. Um, we had headstrong grower participation in that uh, transition webinar, and that's now posted uh, to the USDA website for people to uh, that didn't be able weren't able to participate live to uh, participate and, and, and see that going forward. Now that that fee uh, not having a licensing fee is wonderful, but we do still want to remind growers and the consuming public, that there will still be traceability. There will still be a license required, correct, Brian? Correct. Yeah, they're, they're, what USDA will be doing is, uh, and everybody, as we transition over to the USDA program, it'll be coming in basically fresh, you know, uh, coming in new, so they aren't renewing. Um, this is our first time for Wisconsin growers to be operating, operating under the USDA-operated um, program. Um, again, same basic uh, rule book and parameters, um, but um, but they will get a license through USDA, have to apply, go through the background check just like they did with DATCAP, uh, apply for that license. USDA will issue that license, and um, as opposed to DATCAP, um, which required an annual license, USDA is, uh, is um, operating under a three-year license. Mm-hmm. So there will be also administrative kind of burden reductions. You only have to go through that licensing process once every three years, the background check once every three years. Um, but you will be licensed. Um, your lab data, you know, uh, that, that is collected uh, will go to USDA to confirm compliance with that THC uh, regulatory standard. Um, and that's where there still are fees, Pam, that, that growers will have to pay the, the, the USDA model is uh, is more of a private sector driven um, model. So it's got uh, private sector samplers and private sector labs uh, performing the um, collection of those samples um, that DATCAP has done for the last four years and the testing of those samples. And um, unlike the DATCAP program where we took those laboratory results that we generated and issued a fit for commerce certificate uh, under the USDA model, that laboratory data from your private sector lab has a pass-fail. It's got a very specific format it has to be in, and it will identify whether that hemp lot passed or failed right on the lab data. And that's really the ticket. That's the replacement for the fit for commerce that we issued mm-hmm. um, and what needs to travel with the hemp to prove um, compliant that it's a compliant crop. Brian Kuhn, he's the Division Administrator at the Wisconsin Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection, overseeing our Wisconsin hemp program at least for a little while longer before they transition those responsibilities over to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. But again, the real takeaway there, this year's crop looks good, but our acres, our participation in the Wisconsin hemp industry, down about 50% compared to last year. And again, most of our hemp still being channeled towards that CBD oil market.